G'day friends, welcome back. Footy is good again. Gee, the footy's been good these first couple of weeks. Bugger me. God, it's... We've still got another 21 rounds to go and then finals. I'm enjoying the shit out of it. I hope you guys are. Um, lots of really good games this week. Some interesting results, some controversial results, as we all know. Um, let's get into it. Thursday night, elephant in the room. Carlton are no good until they show us that they are. Let's make that very clear. Right, we have pumped them up, filled them with expectations of finals and greatness. They had all these big recruits, you know, Zach Williams, Adam Saad. feel like there's another one I've forgotten, but... A lot of expectations on them. And I, along with a lot of other people, thought that they'd beat Collingwood on Thursday night. Thought that they'd play fast, high-scoring brand of footy. They just didn't. And they... I don't know what the hell is wrong with them. Because they got a really good team. they got a good list. Their back line's solid. Their midfield is solid. And their forward line is solid. They're missing a couple of key forwards, but Mackay is well capable of handling, you know, the key forward position on his own. He kicked four goals in a losing side the other night, playing on probably the best defender in the competition. So he's fine down there by himself, right? I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know. They might just have a loser's mentality. Maybe they just got bad luck. I don't know. But their fans aren't going to put up with this. That They expect a lot this year. If they continue to just come up short and have honourable losses, it's not going to do. It's not anymore. And that's been said for a couple of years, that the honourable losses aren't going to do anymore. This year it has a little bit different meaning because of what they should be achieving with the list that they have. There is a lot of pressure on Carlton over the next couple of weeks. Every week they go without winning, they are going to be talked about more and more and finals slip further and further away. They're already zipping too. Every game that they lose, it's another game, it's another two games that they have to win to get back closer to finals, right? If if they go zip and three, even if they then win their next three games, like they're a month and a half into the season and they've just broken even, right? It, 
the amount of work you have to do to get back level increases exponentially every time you lose at the start of the year, right? Oh, I'm watching Carlton closely and I'm going to figure out if they keep being disappointing, I'm going to figure out what the hell is wrong with them because it fascinates me. It really does. Um, Collingwood, I was quite surprised by. They were really impressive. Like, I didn't think that they were going to be able to score like that. Helps when Dugowie goes forward and kicks a bunch. That's always helpful. Um, Yeah, I was really, really impressed. Really impressed. You know, Cox kicked a couple goals late, but he was largely quiet. My check was excellent. Um, I said before, but bugger me, Darcy Moore is such a good player. He's such a good player. I don't think they're like there's Harris Andrews is fantastic. Jacob Wienering's fantastic. There's lots of really good defenders in the competition, but there is no other defender who is equally as good at all the defensive stuff like intercept marks spoiling, contested, you know, contested marks, whatever, as they are at being really damaging, moving the ball offensively, right? Darcy Moore will take a ton of intercept possessions. He'll outmark all your forwards, all of that. But then he'll, like, the, the way he moves the ball going forward, he just takes off and runs with it. He's, like... 204 centimetres or whatever he is, and he, and he runs like bloody Adam Saad. It's ridiculous. He's such a good player. Such a good player. And, you know, if if Collingwood can play like that, they... It's, it's hard for me to say that they're going to squeeze into finals. I just... There's going to be other teams around that mark who I think are going to be better than them. But, gee, they're going to be right there. Like, they were pretty disappointing against the Bulldogs last week. But this week, I was honestly, seriously impressed. I did not think I would see them play football that good this year. So, very, very impressed by them. It it sucks to see Jamie Elliott have another injury. He seems to just have one of these type of injuries every year, like a four to six weeker. This one was not a four to six weeker. What am I saying? It's three months that he's out, isn't it? Did he break his leg or fracture his leg? Um, But he always seems to just miss a chunk or a big chunk of every season, which which sucks because he's a really bloody good player. Um, But yeah, very, very impressed by Collingwood for sure. All right, let's talk Friday night. What the fuck happened there? That was one of the wildest games of football I've seen in a good while. First of all, the Lockie Neal, Gary Rowan, Chris Scott fiasco. Um, So Lockie Neal got tagged well out of the game, especially in the first half. Guy named Mark O'Connor, who's a very good Brisbane defender, went into the middle of the ground and did a job on the Brownlow medalist. Very impressive. Showed the entire competition, one, that it could be done, and two, how to do it. Can't wait to see them play Richmond and see if they do it again. Um, 
But yeah, to half time, Neil had, I believe, three possessions, which is crazy. It's crazy. Um, but at quarter time, or actually, I should say, just before quarter time, he Neil was on Gary Rowan for a short time, and Gary Rowan threw a hook across his chest and nicked him in the chin, right? For which he's gotten two weeks, which is probably about right. Um, there was a bit of carry on, you know, Neil fell to the ground. Did he play it up? We don't know. He gave Rowan the three-week gesture, um, and I believe some other words were said at quarter time. I don't know exactly what. Don't know if anyone knows exactly what, but Chris Scott felt as though he needed to intervene. Um... I don't have a problem, per se, with what he did. I think that's okay. He's never had a problem doing things like this before. But when it is carrying on to the point where your players have to remove you from the situation, that's a bad look. It's not good. It makes you look like a child. Like, first, Cam Guthrie's sort of, you know, softly gesturing, like, Come on, Dad, you're embarrassing me. And then Selwood came over. He's like, what are you doing? Come and coach us, please. Don't worry about them. Like, Scott should be embarrassed. Not that he did it. I think that's okay. He wasn't demonstrative. I don't think he took it too far. But having to be pulled away by your captain would be embarrassing, I would think. Um... But that wasn't even the craziest part of this game. The very end. First of all, awesome game. Awesome game. Geelong were in front for pretty much the entire match. Um, They were dominant, especially through the second and third quarters. Um, And the first quarter, really, first quarter is where they got their lead. Um, So for the first three quarters, Geelong were dominant. Then Brisbane kicked a bunch of goals in the last quarter to get it back very close to level. And then there was a non-call in the dying seconds of the game when Mark Blitzarves was being tackled in his defensive goal square. He disposed of the ball incorrectly and no free kick was paid. A free kick 100% should have been paid and Brisbane should have won the game. But they didn't. So Geelong were victorious by one point and that was the most drama I've seen in one game in a good while. And the drama has continued on into this week. Now there is chatter about clubs having the ability to challenge umpire decisions, which I could not disagree with more. First of all, results like this rarely, rarely, rarely ever happen. Maybe one game a season is legitimately decided by an incorrect free kick. Maybe out of 200 whatever games that there are every year, right? Maybe one legitimately decided by an incorrect free kick or a non-free kick in this case, right? And now people are saying, oh, the, the captain should have X number of challenges or the coach should have X number of cha- like. Really think about it in your mind, how the fuck that would work during a game. 
but you know, I'm I'm firmly of the belief that there there is sometimes in football an element of luck. It is small, but it's sometimes there, right? If you lose a game because of a f- of one free kick or one non-free kick, you didn't deserve to win that game, right? That is, that is what I believe. Um, like, like I wonder if the Geelong fans think that they there should be this new rule about being it. Of course, they're not going to think that because they got lucky, right? Sometimes you get lucky, right? If it had been gone the other way, if if it had been, you know, Brisbane who were in front, you know, no, yes, Brisbane who were in front, Brisbane defender disposed like you know the opposite, right? And Brisbane had won the game because of a, a non-free kick. They would feel how the Geelong fans feel, if that makes sense, right? We can't be so just reactionary to one bad mistake by an umpire, right? It's it's not a good look. It, it make makes the AFL look immature in a kind of way. I think, um, but yeah, I, I firmly believe that if you lost a game because of a decision like that, you didn't deserve to win. And Brisbane did not deserve to win on Friday night. Geelong were the better team for most of the game. Brisbane came at them hard in the last quarter, so good on Brisbane. But yeah, Geelong deserved to win, and Geelong did win. So well done them. Um. Brisbane and their bad luck has continued, given the the case numbers in Queensland. Queensland borders are now shut. They are closed. So Brisbane have had to stay down here in Melbourne, and they're now having a home game against Collingwood at Marvel Stadium, which they will not be happy about. I wonder if that is going to be made up to them somehow later in the season. don't know if it will be. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, although, you know, playing... I mean, I think Brisbane should beat Collingwood no matter where they're playing them. But playing them at Marvel is very much an away game for Collingwood. They play there seldom. Um, yeah, all right. Next game, Saturday lunchtime. Buddy was back. Buddy Franklin back playing footy. First time since round 23, 2019. And he kicked, what, three goals. Sydney? Where have Sydney come from? Look at the football they're playing. They've kicked 120-something points two weeks in a row. Are Sydney going to play finals? Like, they're playing awesome football. And, yeah, you know, they they beat Adelaide this week. But Adelaide were good too. Adelaide kicked, what did they kick? 11 goals, 22, which is fucked. If they, I think they had three or four or five more scoring shots than Sydney did. If Adelaide had kicked straight, they would have won. So Sydney didn't just beat some, you know, dog shit team. Adelaide are going okay, especially given Taylor Walker's kicked eleven goals for the year so far in two games. I cannot believe how Taylor Walker's playing. This is better than he was playing in two thousand seventeen. He's having a remarkable season so far. If they can keep him healthy, 
they they won't finish bottom four, Adelaide. I think, you know, regardless of the way they're going, they're not going to finish bottom four at all. They're doing much better than expected, Adelaide. Um, but, yeah, Sydney, Buddy's back, kicks a few goals. Good start on his way to 1,000. Very good start. It might be the only time in in the memories of a lot of us that we're going to see fans storm the ground. I, I don't know when, if ever, we'll see a player kick 100 in a season. Um, we might see it this year with Taylor Walker. I don't, know. I don't think so. But when Buddy hits 1,000, I hope it's when and not if, um, that'll be pretty magic. And it'll be cool to see fans run onto the ground again. Hopefully next year. Don't think he's quite going to get there this year. Um, but he might. He kicks three goals plus every week he could get there. But I think it's more likely to be next year. Um, yeah, Sydney look hot. They look really hot. Finally, everyone's realised by the way that Tom Hickey's a good player. Been saying for about five years that Tom Hickey's a good player. When St Kilda ditched him in, what, 2017... I was like, no, don't let him go. He's a great player. He's not the best tap ruckman by a long way, but he gets a lot of it around the ground, which is more than you can say for some other ruckman. He hits the scoreboard as well. He's, he's a good player. Everyone's like, oh, gee, Tom Hickey can play. Yeah, fucking oath, he can play. He's played 100 and something games at four clubs. Yeah, he can play. Gee whiz. Um, yeah, Sydney looked great. They've got all these young players who all look like they're going to be absolute guns. And they've still got these really good veterans, you know, Franklin, Parker, Kennedy, even Heaney's got to be 25, 26. He's in his prime. Like they're, they're looking good. And it doesn't look to me like this is just going to be like some early season form. Like they look like they, I mean, they got Richmond at the MCG this week. So we're going to bloody well see where they're at, Sydney. But they look like they could seriously upset some good teams this year. They'll be very, very interesting to watch, for sure. Adelaide, do not be disheartened by this loss, Adelaide fans. Like, very, very inaccurate kicking, which is never good. But, you know, if they kick... Adelaide are going to win a lot more games than people think this year. And from what I've seen, I would not now... Expect them to finish bottom four, which surprises me enormously. Given how they went last year, losing their first, what, 13 games, only winning three for the whole year, to have won in round one and then have performed performed pretty well in a you know, honourable loss. <laughs> Funny how I use that in a negative way against Carlton, but he's in a positive way now. But having performed well in an honourable loss in round two, they're going all right, Adelaide. They're going just fine. Uh, Next up was Port Adelaide demolishing Essendon by, what, 54 points. Can't really say yet where Port Adelaide are at because all they've done is smash North and smash Essendon, which, you know, is not really a difficult thing to do, it looks like, this year. So, as good as they've looked, we'll have to wait. I think they play Richmond in a couple of weeks, in two or three weeks. So, that'll be one to look out for. I'm not sure, they have, I'm not sure who they have this coming week. Let me just look 
quickly. Oh, West Coast at Optus Stadium. We don't have to wait long at all to see where they're at. That'll be a very good test of exactly where they rank amongst those top teams. But yeah, very, very impressive. The, the way that Port Adelaide moved the ball, especially when they're playing a bunch of witches' hats, um, was very impressive. Obviously, their, their forward setup is terrifying and near impossible to defend well. Um, like I said last week, the Alir Alir acquisition could be exactly what gets them a flag. Obviously, Fantasia's been awesome, but I think Alir Alir will be, you know, much more beneficial. No, will be much more of a net positive by the end of the year. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, Essendon looked pretty fucked. Hey, like, and now they've had three injuries to key players on top of who, who are all out for, I think, six to eight weeks with three different injuries. Um, they look completely lost. They seem to have no game plan, no spark, no flair, no energy. Like, they they are in for a long season. I think, I, I really think they're in for a tough year this year. There isn't a whole lot you can say. Like, the positive is that I think if they're realistic finals were never going to happen for them this year. So take this opportunity and blood some of the young talent. They had three top 10 draft picks last year. Get games into them. Get games into Do what Sydney have done in the last year. Get games into your good young kids and you'll be better for it in years to come. I think that's what they got to look at doing um, their their ruck situation is going to be a problem now. They're going to have to bring in Phillips, and I think that's all they've got left. So Draper's out for like a month and a half to two months, which is going to hinder his development, which will suck. Shields, is, is it Shields or Shield? No, no. Dylan Shield is Shield, and then Liam Shields is Shields at Hawthorne. Fuck, that's confusing. Um, yeah, Shield is obviously one of their gun players who they're now going to be without for a while. Jai Corber, one of their exciting pickups of the offseason, is now missing also about the same length of time. So really rough week for them, really rough week. And they got St Kilda um, on Saturday afternoon who are going to be looking to bounce back. So hopefully, hopefully Essendon have another rough weekend. This weekend coming. Um, speaking of the Saints, I had the unfortunate experience of attending the game on Saturday night. Um, first of all, the way that Spud's game as a whole was handled by the AFL and presented was all class. It was beautiful. Taking a couple of minutes at the start of the game, like pushing the game back, had a lot of, it meant a lot. Like you could see what they were going for. Like take time away from what you think is important, like the game starting and talk to your mates, ask them how they're going. Like it was really, really nice how all of it was done. Really good words from Gary Lyon 
and um, Stewie Lowe at the start of the game and seeing Plugger there, like, it was all just beautifully done. The AFL does all these kind of things very, very well all the time. St Kilda does Maddie's match, similar kind of thing, very well. Um, a lot of people are saying this, and I hope it is what happens, that next year and moving forward it'll be Spud's round rather than Spud's game, which would be absolutely lovely for the whole cause and for his family. Like, it, it, it is an unquestionable good the the entire program, the Movember stuff, all of it is just it's it's good in every way and the more attention it gets, the more publicity, the more airtime, the better in every sense. So I hope it does become Spuds Around. I think that would be fantastic. Um The game itself, bugger me, we really need some of those players back. God. I think Marshall, who I think we probably need back the most, is probably going to be two weeks away. I don't know, given that Draper has gone down for Essendon, even if Marshall's kind of ready, they probably don't bring him back in. I think they'll be all right. Ryder, obviously, take as, he needs to he can take as long as he wants. That's no stress. That's going to be whatever it's going to be. Um, we're going to have Crouch back in this week. Not sure who makes way for him. Maybe one of the small forwards who are very, very, very disappointing. I'll talk about them. I'll talk about them now, actually. So, Loney, Butler, and Higgins, right? You combine those names with Billings and Gresham and other players like that who spend a bit of time forward. But the permanent small forwards we've got, Higgins, Butler, Loney. Let's talk about their combined stats for the game against Melbourne on Saturday. These are their combined stats. Besides the medical subs, they were the three lowest ranked players on the ground. Between the three of them, this is you can understand why I'm so pissed off. Between the three of them, 25 disposals, four marks, one goal, and one tackle between our three permanent small forwards whose job it is to apply forward pressure and hit the scoreboard, or if not, set up other other players to kick goals, right? They were non-existent on Saturday night. Not to be seen. As the game went on, I was like, fuck, Butler's done nothing. Our leading goal kicker last year, he's done nothing. Jack Higgins, you know, the, the big recruit of the off-season, apart from Crouch. You know, Saints fan all his life. Very publicly excited to be at the club. Not been cited. Loney, who was red hot in the preseason, Not cited. I could not believe the total lack of pressure and, and scoreboard impact that they were having. Let's compare it to... The three of them, their their numbers from last week, right? Five goals, 33 touches, and 14 tackles, right? The three of them were excellent last week. And then this week, they completely disappeared, right? There was a few players, honestly, who completely disappeared. Um, Brad Hill has been, you know, quite publicly, you know, 
ripped to shreds by the St Kilda fan base over his performance. He was not our worst player, but gee, he was not good. The amount I've never seen him like in his entire career play that bad. Just the number of missed kicks, and every time. As, as the game went on and he missed more and more targets, the crowd started to really notice. And every time he touched the ball, he'd be, oh, like the entire crowd, which obviously just put him off even more, so it didn't help. But God, like, as one of our highest paid players, he needs to up his game. And he didn't do anything spectacular last week either. So, I don't know, with the inclusion of Crouch... Probably it's probably a little early to do this, but at some point they may consider giving Hill a week off just to let him reset. Because you know, with the increased game time again back at Marvel Stadium, there's a lot of pressure on him to be back to his best, and so far he has not been. Every time he gets the ball, he looks like he's going to do something brilliant, and sometimes he does. But so many, so many times on Saturday night, he did not. He did not. Let's talk about our ball movement. Ball movement moving inside 50 especially. So obviously Melbourne have Stephen May and Jake Lever, who when you're moving inside your forward 50, you want to try and avoid, right? Fair enough. And that was obviously St. Kilda's plan. You don't want to kick it straight to them. That would be silly. In their efforts to avoid kicking it directly to Lever and to May, they just piss-farted the ball around in the middle of the ground and at half-forward, which gave Max Gorn plenty of time to just jog up and down the ground at his leisure. Whichever way the ball was going, he just ran up through the middle, back again, just wherever he needed to be, and he would plug any hole that was left in our forward 50 that we could have kicked into with his fucking two metre plus frame, making it now impossible for us to take a mark, excuse me, to take a mark inside 50. So that was really, really frustrating. The slow slow ball movement brought on by the fear of Lever and May was very, very frustrating to watch. Very frustrating. Um, Obviously, we can't be too hard on St Kilda's performance. Um, Very, very tough game the week before in the wet. Close win against the Giants. They weren't going to be at their best, but they should have been better than what they were. There's lots of stuff I I would like to talk about, but this isn't a St Kilda-centric podcast. I'm trying to talk about everything. Melbourne were also a lot better than I thought they were. Like... You know, in general, they were very good on Saturday. Their ball movement was very fast, and they looked dangerous inside 50. That Cozzy Pickett, he's going to be a bit of a player, isn't he? He's very exciting to watch. He's going to be, you know, one of those, you know, who's your favourite player at another club? Kaziah Pickett is what people will be saying. He was very, very exciting. You know, I was like, shit, every time he got the ball but still very exciting to watch, so good on him. Okay, next game. What was the next game? That was North and um, North and Gold Coast, wasn't it? Yes, it was. First of all, well done, Gold Coast. They already 
look better than they have been the last couple of years. Like, the last couple of years, they've always started their seasons well. You know, one, like a few out of their first month, month and a half. But they look more put together, a bit more developed this year. Like, these young players that they've picked up early in the last couple of drafts now seem to have come very good. Like, King is now kicking three goals on a regular basis. Noah Anderson is playing very, very well. Like, all, all these youngsters have come very good. And last couple of years, I've been saying, these additions of, like, Hugh Greenwood and Rory Atkins, it's what they need. They don't need to bring in Gary Ablett. They just need to bring in decent midfielders to make all these superstar 18-year-olds into you know, superstars in the future. They don't need to learn off the best. They're going to be the best already. They just need to learn off guys who know how to do the basics well, and then they can do the flashy stuff once they know the basics, you know, if that makes sense. But Gold Coast look great. Hopefully, they can maintain close to this level of form for the entire season. That'd be really good. North are in just about as much trouble as Essendon. I'd almost say they're in more trouble. I think it's looking like at the moment they will be the wooden spooners. They are who I tipped, so that makes me happy. Um, But I don't know. They got lots of problems. Lots of problems. Scoring, you know, actual, like, their actual list is not filled with Lots of great players, like bringing in Stevenson is going to be good long-term, and he was very good last week. Um, was it last week or was it a preseason game? No, it must have been last week where he was quite good. Um, but yeah, like they're, they're just going to be bottom, if not bottom, bottom two, bottom three. They, like Essendon, just need to accept that and get games into their young players. Been a bit of talk about their choice with their first draft pick from last year, going with um, Will, what's his name? Will Phillips, um, instead of Logan McDonald, who went to Sydney. So Logan McDonald's a key forward. Will Phillips is a midfielder. Um, at the time, I was shocked that they didn't go Logan McDonald, who was, you know, after Jamari Hagen was the highest-rated forward in the draft. Um, Phil Thorpe only went earlier because he was going to—he's an Adelaide boy, and Adelaide wanted to keep him in Adelaide. But yeah, um, who am I talking about? McDonald. McDonald is playing fantastic at Sydney, and North will be looking at him, going, "Shit, kind of wish we'd picked him." So when they lost Ben Brown. Who were they left with? Larky is a pretty good player, but he can't do it by himself. He only kicked one goal on the weekend. So it's going to be a fucking long year for North Melbourne, and I don't really see any way that they can wrestle a lot of victories just out of sheer willpower. I don't think it's going to happen for them at all. All right. Hawthorne and Richmond on Sunday. Richmond prevailing by 29 points. Um, Hawthorne put up a pretty decent fight, but I think this is always going to be the result. Um, 
not a whole lot I can say. This is a pretty, like, paint-by-numbers, exactly what you'd think is going to happen kind of game. Hawthorne, relatively competitive. Richmond, just a little bit better than them for pretty much the entire game. Um, Martin, again, like, they actually kind of put a tag on him in Sean Burgoyne. Probably need to put, like, Burgoyne is obviously one of the greatest players that's ever, you know, set foot on an AFL pitch, but they probably want someone with a little bit more speed, you know, maybe a little bit more Martin-like to be playing that tagging role on him. Um, but, you know, at least they tried. Uh, even when Martin's not going 100%, he still plays like an utter freak. He kicked that great goal out of the middle himself, 28 touches, and he set up a ton of other goals as well. He gifted Rewalt two goals in the last quarter. Absolute freak once again. Um, yeah, R- Richmond will just bank this one. They were solid. Hawthorne. Hawthorne will, I think, be one of those bottom four teams this year, but that they they are heading in the right direction for sort for sure. Um young CJ for the Hawks is looking great. So so good on him. Um all right, then on to the game of the round. Doggies ruining my tipping by getting over the Eagles by seven points. Gee, this is a bloody good game. What was there? Like eleven lead changes. This this was like this is like a dream matchup. Two very different teams, very different teams. And the fact that they had such an even game is fascinating, right? So the Eagles are all about their tools and their aerial dominance, right? Playing their forward line with Darling, Kennedy, and Allen. Then obviously got the big knickknack in the middle. Then you got McGovern and who's their other big fella? It's a Barass um, down the back. Lots of marking power, aerial power, right? And then the Bulldogs have a team of like 28 midfielders, right? Very different teams. And I thought that the Bulldogs' sort of weakness at either end, which it is, it is their weakness, would be their undoing. But credit to them, even when the Eagles look to have look to have the game under their control halfway through the last term. Doggies put away three quick goals and it was game on. And one thing that makes me really happy that I want to mention is that Bruce, Josh Bruce, is playing a lot better this year. I'm glad to see him having some success. I think he kicked three goals. So Norton, Bontempelli and Bruce all kicked three goals on the weekend, which is fantastic. Bontempelli, brilliant captain's move, just taking that mark in the last minute, eating up the 30 seconds and then nailing the goal. Really, really mature performance from him. Got himself another three Brownlow votes, so he's he's on his way. Did he get the three last week? I think he probably did. Um, Norton is starting to, you know... He's going to get people to stop considering him as a better defender. He keeps kicking three goals all the time, so good on him. West Coast will be pretty cross that they dropped this game. Like like I said, they had it under control halfway through the last quarter. 
they were two goals and change in front, and then the dogs just went bang, 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 and then they had to start working again. They could have really shut it down if they put their mind to it, but they just couldn't. And in those, you know, dying minutes, they couldn't snatch the game back. So, you know, they'll be cross, but they're still looking really good this year, the Eagles. I thought that they might start to get a little bit old, and I wasn't fully on board with all the tools that they want to play, but it's working for them. They'll, They'll almost never lose at Optus. So it'll be how many games they can win interstate against other good teams like the Bulldogs that'll determine how high they can finish on the ladder this year. All right, and then the last game. This was a bit of a surprise, if I'm being honest. Fremantle defeating the Giants by 31 points. Another very inaccurate game. 11 goals, 21 to 7 goals, 14. Um... This is more like the Fremantle that I expected. A lot more like the Fremantle that I expected. For them to still play like this without a lot of firepower is very impressive. Really, really pleased with what I've seen from them. they got so many good youngsters. Frederick and Swickowski playing great. Brayshaw's, you know, not really a youngster anymore. He's been around for a while, but fuck, he's a gun. He's a really, really good player. That goalie kicked running through all that traffic was really, really good. Um, they'll, well, I believe they have to not play Fife next week. I believe it was a confirmed concussion for him. Who have they got next week? Carlton at Marvel Stadium. That could be interesting. Without Fife, I believe it will be a tad difficult. Um, but yeah, really, really well done by Frio on Sunday afternoon. I did not expect... I wouldn't have been surprised if they'd won, especially given it was in Perth, but to win so convincingly. And the Giants kicked a few goals in junk time as well. So the result is even more favourable looking to the Giants than it actually should be. So really, really well done, Frio. Um, With GWS... GWS. So last week against the Saints, they were very, not very good, but they were good. They were competitive. It was a scrappy game in heavy rain. Um, it's hard to tell exactly how team and how good a team is in weather like that. But and you know, and you could say that they were you know tired from a game like that the next week. You know, which you know is probably legitimate. But there is something wrong with them. It's been wrong with them probably for their entire existence, this this cavalier attitude that they seem to have, they've got, they, they had all the best draft picks for years. They were spoiled with the superstar power that, excuse me, that they were given. And they still have a lot of it. They still have a lot of really good players and they are wasting them. The team is wasting them, and they are wasting their time in that team with performances like this. Just no effort. I don't know. They, I doubt they assumed they were going to win, having to travel over to Perth. But, God, just not seeming to be hungry for a victory. But really, really disappointing 
to see them put together a performance like that. An, an undermanned Fremantle side who were vulnerable, like they should have been able to pounce. And honestly, if they were switched on, they could have made a meal of Fremantle, but they didn't. They didn't. Um, don't be surprised now if the Giants drop to bottom four. Like I know that's a big thing, big statement to make after round two. But, like, they had that game under control against St Kilda last week. Same as West Coast this week. They could have hung onto the ball, milked some time, but they just couldn't do it. Didn't have the polish, didn't have the decision-making to be able to do that. Um, I really wouldn't be surprised if they slipped further down the ladder than people think they're going to this year. I just have a feeling. I have a feeling... And having watched him in that Amazon doco, I am even less of a fan of Leon Cameron now than I was previously. I don't think he's the man to take them any further than that thrashing in the grand final a couple of years ago. I think his days of coaching them in finals are done. And, you know, if if they finish below probably 12th, I would say he's gone this year, and I think that is going to happen. They'll finish below 12th. Um, my thoughts on who are going to finish bottom four has changed now a little bit. Obviously, North and Essendon will be in there. I think now GWS will be in there. I don't think Adelaide or Sydney will be there anymore. I just The way they're playing, I can't see it happening. So I think you know those bottom teams... Could now probably be the Kangaroos, Essendon, maybe Hawthorne and GWS, which is pretty interesting. All right, that will do for this one, guys. Really, really intriguing round of footy. Got the big Easter round coming up this week. Hopefully the Saints can redeem themselves a little bit. Be interesting to see how North Melbourne, for instance, go against the Bulldogs on Good Friday, how Hawthorne go against Geelong on on the Monday, how Sydney go against Richmond at the MCG. That'll be interesting. Lots of interesting games coming up, so it'll be good. All right, yeah, thank you for listening, guys. Remember to follow the podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. Find me on Instagram if you haven't already, TomSpent underscore podcast. Like, comment, review, all that, and I'll catch you guys next time. Bye.